You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. In this episode of the Motor City Hypnotist Podcast, uh, we're going to continue with our, I guess it's a series. I didn't start out to be, but it is a series now. Therapy Q&A Part 3. Stay tuned. We've answered a lot of questions, but I still have a ton of questions left uh, to look at. It's so like a book in front of it, you. It is. It's, it's really, it's, it's amazing how many, how many questions people have about therapy. Love it. So that's what we're doing. Part three coming up. Get ready for the Motor City Hypnotist, David R. Wright, originating from the suburbs of Detroit, Michigan. He has hypnotized thousands of people from all over the United States. David R. Wright has been featured on news outlets all across the country and is the clinical director of an outpatient mental health and hypnosis clinic located just south of Detroit, where he helps people daily using the power of hypnosis. Welcome, the Motor City Hypnotist, David R. Wright. What is happening, people? This is David Wright, and we are back with another episode of the Motor City Hypnotist Podcast. Woohoo! We are here in the podcast Detroit Northfield Studios. Yes, Matt, we are. Matt is with me. Hey, you know what? Happy to be here always. Yep, happy. I um, hope you had a good holiday. Uh, you know, I tried. Actually, I did. I did. <laughs> I, did. I got my uh, my annual uh, Irish coffee in. So, Oh, nice. We're good. Yeah, we're good. that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and for, for those of you out there, we're recording the day after Christmas. So I uh, hope you had a great holiday. By the time you're hearing this, it'll be well past, but that's fine. Yeah. The work never stops. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it just continues. And yes. then those of you who are popping in on Facebook, give us a shout out. Hopefully you're... Uh, recovering after a uh, a good holiday which you have a ham hangover you're playing a, yeah ham ham hangover um we had um um my wife makes kielbasa so we had that uh yesterday as well mm-hmm. kielbasa yeah it was good stuff nice i mean it's not like a burger but burger <laughs> <laughs> right but but it all oh, it was it was good stuff yeah excellent glad you enjoyed it yeah absolutely let me tell you where you can find me uh my website motorcityhypnotist.com um, the, my new website is up and running. Um, okay. I'll, I'll make a long story, boring story, maybe for some people. So <laughs> the, the whole website was revamped and, and my, my designer launched the website. So all of my, but all my podcast links were not working. Ooh. So it took me a day or two to get everything back into place. Mm-hmm. So, so we'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed. It's, it, it, it's the same content. It just has a very different layout. Yeah. Um, so those of you who may have looked for it maybe a day or two last week and it might not have worked for you, it should be working now. With a click, Let's keep click our fingers here, crossed. Click, click there. It's just, here, it's just there, amazing that, that it's just little things. Um, it's just the embed code was off and because ah. um, yeah, we're, we're using Spotify player oh, in okay. the site. So. Yeah, you can find you your podcast on Spotify. Yep. Yeah, yeah, you can find my podcast anywhere as yeah. far as all, all the major podcast providers. So if by chance – if by chance you run into an issue, you shouldn't now mm-hmm. on my website, go to, go to your pie. And, and while we're on that, um, yeah, wherever you listen to your podcast, subscribe. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I mentioned a few weeks back, I listened to a lot of podcasts and I am subscribing. I've, I've done better with that. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, subscribe and leave a review. That I'm a would podcast help me out junkie. very much. Being a podcast junkie is fun. It is. Oh, oh there's so many. Yeah. I, on an off note that there, there's a really funny one. And and for those of you who might be sensitive to the topic, mm-hmm. um, my dad wrote a porno, 
Have you listened to that podcast? Not yet, I, but I guess that's on my uh, listen list now. <laughs> okay, so the long story short is these three friends. They're from um, from England, Great Britain. Uh-huh. And the one one of the podcast hosts, his dad writes erotic literature. Oh, my goodness. And it is the funniest stuff. It, it is just hilarious. Now, be, be, it's, for those of you who might be sensitive, it, it's very adult-themed, of course. Oh, I would hope so. Because they read a chapter for each of the podcasts, <laughs> and they – <clears throat> it it is hilarious. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I got my wife listening and it it's it's just a f- it's funny stuff. Perfect. Yeah. So, a uh, plug for them. I don't know if they, they by chance might ever pop in and listen, but hey, <laughs> shout out to them. It's, it's it's a really funny thing. You can find me on social media, Facebook and YouTube, Motor City Hypnotist, and on Twitter and Instagram, Motor City Hypno. If you would like to contribute financially to the show, you can find me on Patreon. And when I say contribute, very minimal amounts, not like it'll cost you a ton, but any amount would be appreciated. Mm-hmm. And if you level one, just for, I think it's, it's a couple bucks a month, you can get something like this. Uh, that's a, a Motor pretty, City co- coffee mug. That's a pretty um, coffee mug. And a t-shirt that to go with it. I mean, you don't have to use them together, but you know. <laughs> Might be cool if you did. It hey, would match. What? Themed coffee drinking. Right, exactly. Uh, or if it's coffee. Or, yeah, if it's coffee. Yeah. <laughs> and you can get your free hypnosis guide and a couple of downloads. My download for Hypnosis for Confidence. And you can also join my private Facebook group, Empower Your Mind for Success. That group is focused around a course that I'm developing that will be out, fingers crossed, Sometime near the end of January, it is in the uh, building stage right now, and it'll be it's a it's an online course, and it'll take you through. Right now, I'm planning like five modules in this course, but it really is resetting your mind for success as far as thinking habits and a lot of things that we address on this show, changing your thinking, uh, uh, focusing on things that are going to make you successful, and it, it'll be a whole course, and that will be available sometime. I'm going to say near the end of January. Excellent. My launch date is. The first week in February, so we'll we'll see. Excellent. That should be out. Look so yeah, to that. join join the private Facebook group, and you'll have all the information from that. Uh, and I would appreciate it. And as I mentioned before, subscribe wherever you listen and leave a review. That would help us out a lot. Awesome! It's time for our winner of the week. That's how winning is done. Okay, today's story comes from Midlothian, Virginia. Okay. Sounds like a very um, Game of Thrones type of name, doesn't it? (laughs) It does. I'm from Midlothian. (laughs) In the quaint Midlothian neighborhood of Halsley, I guess the neighborhood is called Halsley? That's weird. Mm. Uh, But anyway, it says giving back to the the community is not unusual. So they have like food bank collections, coat and toy drives, other fundraisers. Mm. It's it's just kind of a common thing in in, in that neighborhood. Um, but this neighborhood is giving thanks to a special delivery driver in, in his name is Anthony Gaskin. It's Halsley's UPS driver. Okay. So during the pandemic, neighbors said his daily deliveries have been life-saving both literally and figuratively hmm. on his daily route. Neighbors said Anthony is always offering a warm smile or a wave, uh, to the people who receive deliveries, he is a friend who knows their name and everyone in the family, including their beloved pets. Interesting. Yeah. So this guy's just like, like just a nice dude and asking about the family and the pets. And, uh, 
So one of the neighbors, her name's Tracy, said, I joked with him back in June, I'm going to add him to my Christmas card list because I actually see him as more than family. Wow. Yeah. So she said, thanks to Anthony. Um, she felt less distant from her parents, who she's not seen in months. And she said, I think he thinks he's delivering just a package, but he's really delivering something very special, she said. So the kindness that he spreads is just unreal, especially during this difficult time, Britt Griffith added. To have Anthony around is just truly amazing. So another another neighbor said his overall personality and demeanor are so contagious that he's just what we needed in 2020. So long story short, the neighbors decided to write letters and line the streets with posters to cheer on Anthony as he made his normal delivery route. That's amazing. So even Anthony's supervisors were on hand to surprise him with a gift. The gesture moved the humble delivery driver to tears. Um, uh, Friedman said neighbors were not surprised by the heartfelt response from around the globe. I guess there was a lot of support on social media for him. Hmm. So Anthony told one neighbor he would never forget the day that so many people showed him how much he meant to the community. He said, I didn't think... I didn't think I would be that emotional. Um, and then one of the other neighbors say I, he deserved it in every way. So to the neighborhood in Midlothian or Halsley is the neighborhood specifically. And a shout out to Anthony, the UPS driver who just makes people's lives better. Being hey, Dave, friendly and being. Yeah. Dave, what can Brown do for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they could do a lot apparently. <laughs> so a shout out to Anthony, our UPS driver. From Halsley, Virginia, you are a winner of the oh, and the neighbors. Actually, the neighborhood, the whole story, everybody, yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. know, doing that special thing for him. It was really cool. I'll have the link to the video um, on our show notes. So mm-hmm. if you want to take a look at that, really cool story. That's why Anthony and our neighborhood and Halsley, you're our winners of the week. How it is done. Yes, it is. Well done. Yes. So, back to it. This episode of the Motor City Hypnotist Podcast is brought to you by Banner Season. Online marketing is saturated and people rarely open their emails. Are you in sales or does your business market to customers? How do you connect with family, friends, and clients? Banner Season takes your marketing into the real world by delivering kindness and thoughtfulness directly to your clients physically. Imagine the excitement of your family, friends, and customers as they receive personalized cards and gifts in their mailboxes. Go to bannerseason.com forward slash fantastic and begin today to express kindness and make connections with others. That's bannerseason.com forward slash fantastic. And just as a disclaimer, I'm an affiliate for that service. I use it and it's great. So that's why I kind of recommend it, but uh, it doesn't cost you any more, but it, um, I do get a cut. So just so you know that, but uh, again, great service. Um, yeah. Takes a lot of thinking out of it. Perfect. That's for sure. We could all use a little less sometimes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sometimes I have a hard, hard time keeping up with just daily schedule. <laughs> you have a brain like a chicken. Yeah. yeah unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> So we're talking about our, our, our third episode on therapy Q&A mm-hmm. and it's questions about therapy and therapists and what you can expect and things you might run into. And, and just I, I kind of the reason I started this one, I know we did a, a, a Q&A on, on hyp, hypnosis a while back, 
Uh, but I wanted to do it specifically for therapy because because there are a lot of people who might be uh, tentative or might be fearful about therapy or might mm. think, you know, well, is this, you know, how, they just have a lot of questions about it. How does it work? Uh, and, uh, you know, how am I going to benefit from this? What should I look for? So hopefully this series will help you out and, and make you more comfortable just with the idea of going. And then if you do, to make sure you're in the right position or, or in the right situation with your therapist to be successful. Hmm. So we asked, we, we answered a lot of questions in the past two episodes. If you haven't listened to those parts, one and two are up. And um, so, so take a look at those uh, and you'll catch up to where we're at now. And mm-hmm. we'll just continue with our questions, please. So what, what will happen a lot of times in therapy is that people may go in depending on where they go. A, a lot of, a lot of different clinics and services out there. And you, you, so for example, our website has all of our therapist profiles on it. Mm -hmm. So you can go in and you can read through the profiles and try to find somebody that might fit with you, or maybe somebody that you feel like, oh, I like that profile. I kind of like their experience. I feel like that would be a good fit for me. I I don't know that a lot of, a lot of other places have those necessarily. Mm -hmm. Like a bio page? Yeah, like a bio. Exactly. Um, and, and a lot of places might just, you might call and they might say, okay, yeah, uh, Joe is available for the time you're looking for, or Jill is available in these times you're looking for. You just get assigned a therapist. And most places kind of work that way, unless somebody requests somebody specifically. Hmm. So long story short, you might find yourself with a therapist that just doesn't work for you. And that's not saying there's something wrong with them or with you. It's just saying that there's not that connection. There's right. not that that level of of uh, trust, I guess, or that level of connection, or you just don't feel like it, it's a good fit for you. There's no spark. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah it just doesn't, it just is it's not right for you, which is fine. But the important thing is, and, and here's what happens a lot of times, clients will not realize they have a choice. Hmm. They can say the therapist. And and, and I, I tell my clients this first session every time that I meet with them, hey, at the end of this session, or maybe in four or five sessions, you might feel like, you know, I'm just not feeling it with this guy. I just don't, I just don't feel like this is working. So it's important that you tell your therapist that. Now, most reputable, good therapists will, will take that and say, okay, that definitely I can get you to somebody else who mm-hmm. I think might be a better fit. Fair. There, there's always a chance you might get a therapist who's kind of, of wrapped up in their own feelings and might feel offended in some way. But that's not, believe me, that's not on you as the client. That's on, if, if that happens, that's on the therapist. So definitely, if you don't feel like it's a good fit, you need to let your therapist know and say, hey, I, I just, I feel like this isn't a good fit. I really want to see somebody different. And that therapist should take care of you. Um, and, and, and that question is, how should I break up with my therapist? Now, you might be seeing a therapist that that is helpful for you. Maybe maybe you've been working together and you feel like it's a good fit and you've made some good progress. A lot of times it is possible that you might get to a point where you kind of hit a wall mm-hmm. or or maybe it's just not working like it should or you're not you're you've reached a plateau. Okay. I call it a plateau sometimes. Especially if you're seeing somebody for long term, you know, mm-hmm. 20, 30 weeks, which is certainly possible. So even then, you need to say to your therapist, "Hey, I feel like we've hit a plateau here." We need to, you know, switch it up or, or maybe I need to see somebody different. Really, it's, it's, it's on you as the client to address this with your therapist, as difficult as that might be, because a lot of people aren't, they, they don't like the, the conflict. And I say conflict in a general term. I, it shouldn't be a conflict, but they don't like the confrontation of, of, 
hey, listen, I I'm, I feel like we're 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 not getting anywhere, and I need to do something different. Hmm. Okay. But really, it's it's for you as the client. It it it's your choice, and if you feel like it's not working, or that that something is that your your progress is plateaued, or it's just for whatever reason you don't feel like this is a good fit for you, it's up to you to bring that up to your therapist. Now, for me, and I, and I make this a habit, and I I would hope all therapists do this, but but I always kind of check in. You know, if I'm seeing somebody consistently, I always check in every few sessions and say, "Let's look at progress. Let's let's see where we're at and see if if we're if we're getting somewhere." Because it doesn't make sense, and it's not good for the client, and it's not good for me as a therapist right. if we work ten sessions and nothing's happened. Well, it's the definition of insanity. Yeah, doing the same doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, expecting a different, different result. result. Right. Absolutely. So make sure that that you feel good, like you're getting what you need out of it, and that you're making progress. And if you if you need to break up with them, that's fine. That that's something you should do for yourself, and and that will benefit you in the long run. Thank you. Cool. And and I know it's difficult, clients, uh, but but don't don't let that stop you from doing it, mm-hmm. uh, because it's it's you're there to get better. You're there to make improvements. And if if you don't do that, then you're 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 missing out on that possibility. Well, what if I gave him one more chance, Dave? Uh, I, I mean, you could, but but it's important that you say, "Hey, listen, I feel like we've plateaued. We can can we do something different?" And and as long as you're bringing that up, and the yeah. therapist is like, "Yeah, definitely. Let's let's okay. let's try let's try a different focus, or let's work on something different, or you know." But definitely, it's something you want to talk about and work on together. All right, good, absolutely. This is a question that's come up quite a bit online. Do therapists record sessions? That's a really good question, actually. It is. I will say I do not record sessions. There may be therapists out there who do record sessions. However, if they do, they must tell you this up front. Right. Now, for example, I've had some some clients who come in for hypnosis, and I will ask them, is it okay if I record this session for educational purposes? Right. But I always ask permission up front. And in fact, I've had a couple clients who have agreed to even be videoed oh. to to show what what a hypnosis session is like. Do they ask to watch the video back? Sometimes they will ask for it. Yeah. Oh, okay. And oftentimes, not all the time, but 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 there there are many times when I'm doing hypnosis, and, and of course this worked much better in person. I know we've been on telehealth for a long time now since <laughs> yeah. the COVID, yeah. which makes it a little trickier. But but a lot of times, if I have somebody, if a client in, is in my office and we do a hypnosis session, mm-hmm. I may tell them, "Hey, listen, I'm going to record this so that you'll have it to take with you when you leave." Okay. Because that just helps them to kind of replay that over and over again, right. so they can get more benefit from it. But I always ask permission first. And if the client says, ah, I'm not really comfortable with that, and I'm like, fine, we won't do it. Right. As a matter of just normal day-to-day sessions, I do not record. Um, and there may be therapists out there who do, but they need to ask your permission first. Right. I would imagine, you know, there's got to be some, is there a HIPAA, any HIPAA legislation yep. behind any of Def- that? Definitely there's HIPAA because any records are private. They're part of your medical record, just mm-hmm. like any other doctor would be. Mm-hmm. Um, the only way that that can be shared is with a client's permission. And, and we'll go back to a couple things we may have mentioned in, in some of the prior Q&As. The only time that I can break confidentiality mm-hmm. is if I have your permission. Like, for example, you're going to see – say I'm seeing somebody for therapy and they want to go see a psychiatrist that's mm-hmm. not in our office. They have to sign a release to share those records, mm-hmm. but I have to have their permission to do so. Right. They could say, no, I don't want my records shared. 
that's fine. Then I couldn't share it. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as recording, you always have to you always have to have the client's permission, and they may say, "Well, what is this going to be used for?" Mm-hmm. And I have to dis- disclose that right. if it's going to be used just for them, like this this session is recorded for you to take with you to use over and over again, and then after you have it, it's deleted. Okay. I, I just have to give them a specific information on what's going to happen with this information to meet HIPAA guidelines. Okay. Yep. Absolutely. And this goes into actually the next question, which kind of falls along the same lines, and not as far as recording, but can I actually trust that everything I say to you stays between you and me? Mm. Meaning, can I can you guarantee this this information is confidential? And that kind of piggybacks off that last answer is that the only way that I can break that confidentiality is if I feel like you're in danger of hurting yourself or someone else. Mm-hmm. Those situations do come up. Unfortunately, it's just, it's just, a, it's, it's just a fact that it happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes clients will feel a betrayed. Um, and, and I say that in a sense that a lot of times clients aren't happy, like, like especially if I feel like they are – well, we'll just address it. Suicidal, okay. and 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 there there, and I feel like there's an intent to act. I have to report that. I'm a mandated reporter by law. Mm-hmm. I have to report that because it's a safety concern. And sometimes clients will be like, "Oh, I, you know, and I, I I didn't want to go to the hospital," or, or, but I always tell them my main goal is to keep you safe. So if there's an issue where I think you're not safe, or I think that you're in danger. Then I'm I'm going to report that, and I always say that that that's part of the pre intake uh, session mm-hmm. where we go over everything. I say, and I let them know there are times that I would have to break confidentiality, and these are the instances. Okay. So that again, that's very clear when this relationship starts with a the therapist up front. You know, and, and as you know, I, I would imagine as a client, you would want to know all the rules going in, getting mm-hmm. knowing what you're getting into and what the ramifications are and what yep. have you. You know, hit you. You have to do your homework. You're, you're you're going to work on yourself through a therapy session, but understand, you know, what you are signing up for and how you are going to be protected as an individual. Absolutely. Right. And and that's the important thing. That that all that information should be laid out clearly up front. And that that's one of those things. If your therapist doesn't talk about that in the first session, that then you need to ask about it because that that really should be covered in the very first session. So yes, Everything should be confidential except for those exceptions where you're a mandated reporter. And this will come up also if it's not yourself even. If if let's say that there there are you know, a client comes in and they talk about abuse of a child, mm. that has to be reported. Absolutely. I mean and and we make that clear up front also. If you if, if you ever come to me and say that your child or or any child is being abused that I have to report that mm-hmm. as a mandated reporter. And, and that really is, is there for a reason it's to protect kids. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I know that's a, that's kind of a deep one, but, but again, you, sh- everything should be confidential other than those instances. Um, th- th- <laughs> this, this is kind of a general one. Are you going to push medication on me? Mm. This is a tricky one. Not not tricky because I, I never push medication. Let, let me start off by saying that. A lot of times people may benefit from medication. Mm-hmm. I always tell them, and I always say this in the first session also. It's part of my intake. I, I will never – the first response is never let's do medication from, right. from my approach. 
I always view medication as a tool that we could use, but it's never the first response. Right. And even people in, in our facility who are who end up needing medication and they go to see our psychiatrist, we require them that if they're seeing the doctor for medication, they have to do therapy with it. Hmm. Because mm-hmm. medication by itself is not is not a solution. It's a tool. Let me ask the question then. If mm-hmm. you don't if that's not the first thing you do, however, if a client comes to you and they are already on medications, doesn't matter for what, do they have to disclose everything that they're on as well? I, well, we would ask clients in an intake, what medications are you on? Just mm-hmm. like you would if you went to your uh, primary care physician. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're gonna ask what medications are you taking right now? Okay. So like if somebody comes to me and they say, Yeah, I'm on a, I'm 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 on Zoloft, which mm-hmm. is an antidepressant and that's just information that I need to know. So I know what's, mm-hmm. it, again, it's all, it's their whole medical record and their whole uh, concept of care from all of the other sources. Okay. Yeah. So no, I, I would not push medication on you and anybody who does right off the bat, I would be leery of that. Mm-hmm. There are situations where medication is necessary. That's why it exists. Um, a lot of people have severe anxiety or severe depression and medication is helpful for that. Mm-hmm. If it and and if somebody comes to me and they're in crisis and they're suicidal, we might look at that. It's a case by case basis. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. may look at that and say, hey, "Listen, I I think for now, maybe let's let's look at medication until we get you stabilized, and then we can see where that goes." And I always say, just because you take medication doesn't mean you're always going to have to take medication. Sure. There are instances somebody who might suffer from schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. They they possibly might need medication the rest of their life. Sure. Other situations where it's depression or anxiety, I always like to say, well, if we can if we can f- work on those issues and get you feeling better, I, and I've had a lot of clients who've done that and later on weaned off their medication and they're doing fine. Mm-hmm. So no, I would not push medication on you, and I would be leery for anyone who did. Just that last comment, I would hope and wish that folks would have that goal to not be on that medication. Absolutely, anymore. yep. And that that'd be the end goal or the end end game. Well, and there is there is this the there there is a a whole approach that we don't want to foster dependence on medication. Mm-hmm. I, and that's why I say I use the term it's a tool. It's mm-hmm. a tool that we can use, and if you need it, that's great. And hopefully we get to the point where you don't need it. And, and that's the big thing. Um, and then these, these other two medications kind of fit into the answers I just gave you. Am I going to need medication forever? Possibly, mm-hmm. but we don't know. I'd like to say we don't want that to happen, but it could be the case. Mm-hmm. And if you're already prescribing me medication, do I really need to see you for therapy too? Well, yeah, I would imagine the answer is yes. I, 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 yeah. Our, <laughs> Again, our policy at our facility is that if you're seeing a psychiatrist, you need to see a therapist because we believe that medication management along with therapy gives you the best results. Mm-hmm. You got to talk through – you have to talk through it. Well, yeah. You have to address the underlying issues. Mm-hmm. And medication is – is uh, I don't say it's masking it. In a way, it could. Sorry. I said have to. You right. should. I don't want to say right. you have no, to. Do. No, no. This right. is something you should yep. look into. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. And, and that's <laughs> – and I know a lot of people struggle with that because I, I and we've had it in the past. We if somebody somebody starts taking medication, then they stop therapy. Mm-hmm. Then we don't see them for three months. Mm-hmm. Now we have to call and say, "Listen, that's our policy that you have to see a therapist if yeah. you're having medication." So, so we try to follow up on that as as best as we can because we don't. I just don't think it's it's 
just taking medication and not doing anything else, it's, it doesn't, we need to do more work. Yeah. It, it, it's that that's not the solution. And I know I, I, there, I've, you've probably seen it in the news. There are a lot of doctors out there who are just medication pushers. Mm-hmm. They will walk around with a yeah. uh, tablet in their pocket. I, I've, I've worked at facilities where I, right out of grad school and I won't say the facility, but I worked there and there was one day where the doctor was in, they would just, they would bring all the clients in and they would just be lined up and it would just be walk in two minutes, walk out, walk in, walk out. Wow. It was just medication, just scripts. Here's wow. a script. Here's a script. Here's a script. <laughs> Walking down aisle five. Yeah. Oh, you need something? Yeah, Here, right. let me get the yeah. tab. Here you go. <laughs> and that's out there. So I would be careful about a doctor who just says, Okay, here, here's here's a script for you. Yeah. See, we'll see you. Bye. Yeah, that doesn't work. Yeah. That that's that's not a good idea. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that, that, that medication medication is just it's it's a complication, but it's necessary in certain situations. Yes. And we just want to make sure that is addressed specifically. This is an interesting one. If you have so many patients, how do I know you'll be focused on and care about me individually? That's a deep question, really. It is. It's a, it's a concern. It's sure. a true, true concern. And, and and let me tell you what my approach is. Every every session, I do notes, just like a doctor would. Mm-hmm. If you come in, they have to take notes on what you talked about. And, and a lot of times, I don't go into the the specific minute details. But we, we'll, we'll, like a, an example of a note I might write, say, hey, talked about issues at work causing stress and anxiety and conflict with coworkers, mm-hmm. you know, and talked about, uh, you know, possible coping skills or, 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 or worked on role playing for, for conflict resolution mm-hmm. or things mm-hmm. like that. So, so in a very general sense, I put that into my notes. So I know what we were talking about and working on. So even if I have 20, 30 clients in a week, I know about you because I've, I've, I get to know you. And, and honestly, and I don't say this in a bragging way. I think, I think most therapists or doctors are like that. As soon as I see someone for their next session, I, I, I just, I just remember, I know what we talked about. Right. And, and if I, if I have any question, I can look at my notes and say, Oh yeah, last time we talked about this conflicts at work and, mm-hmm. and what's happening. And mm-hmm. then we can just kind of start off with that or start with something new. Mm-hmm. So, so a reputable therapist will be, that they will be I, I'm not gonna say all of them have total recall. <laughs> <laughs> no. But they should be have enough information as far as their note taking that they they know what's going on with you and, and they will be focused on you individually. Right. And they should have a plan for each session based yep. on the last session. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And and I always kind of focus on, okay, so let let's work on this. If if or the client may have something specific they want to work on. Fair. Yep. Absolutely. So that, folks, is part three of but wait. therapy Q and A. But wait, there's more. <laughs> there's a part four. Can I try it really quick? Sorry, yes, man. you can. Yes, yes, you can try it really quick. Uh, yeah. So we are going to continue with our series on therapy Q and A on our next session. It will be therapy Q and A part four. And just a, a couple of I'll, I'll tease a couple of these questions. Um, how much contact with a therapist between sessions is normal? Mm-hmm. Um, should therapist avoid you in public? Um, <laughs> what what is oh this is a good one? What is the most unprofessional therapist you've had an appointment with? Ooh. It, it's th- that wording is kind of weird, but I'll tell you a story. All right, I'll tell you a story from personal experience. All right, look forward to it. All right, folks.
Change your thinking, change your life. Laugh hard, run fast, be kind. We will see you next time for Therapy Q&A Part 4 in our series. See you then.